Our Old Testament lesson for this morning is from the Psalms, Psalm 148, which can be found on page 550 of your Pew Bibles. Let us pray. O Holy God, we give you thanks for your holy word. God, we thank you for the promises of Scripture. We thank you for this time to gather as family, as church together, to listen for what it is that you have to say to us. God, we thank you for the promise of Scripture that where two or more are gathered in your name, you draw near. We open our ears now to hear your word. Amen. Psalm 148 is a psalm of praise. We gather here in worship to praise God. We do that through the wonderful music, through our baptisms, through all that we do here. And this psalm reminds us that all of the earth praises God. Let us listen for God's word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all the angels. Praise him, all his host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens. And you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters, and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our New Testament lesson is from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, found on page 210 in the Pew Bibles. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O holy God, again we give you thanks for your word to us. Let it now seep into our bones, into our being, as we gather here to listen for you. Speak to us, O God, so that we may go out praising and serving, so that we may go out knowing that we are loved by you. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This passage from 2 Timothy is often, if not always, read at the graveside services that I officiate as a minister. When I hear these words, even reading it today, I picture myself standing in the memorial garden here at the church or up on a hill at Hollywood Cemetery or at other places where there has been an internment. These words from Second Timothy are as common as the words ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And when I read these words of Holy Scripture, many times at these services I have glanced up and looked into the eyes of a loved one who is burying their sister, their brother, their grandparent, their parent. I look into their eyes and as I read, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I see a nod of affirmation, as if they hear these words and agree, yes, the race is now over, and they are at rest. These words of Holy Scripture seem to speak to them and hopefully offer some peace. Yes, he did fight the good fight. She finished the race. They kept the faith. There are a lot of things in this lifetime that we do not know. But there is one thing in life that we know for sure. One day, we all will die. Sometimes we try to put that off as far as we can, and sometimes we act as if that will never happen, or at least I do. But our time here on earth is limited. Recently, I led a workshop here at the church with Marcia Williams and Judy Jameson. Final gift, Living Fully, Dying Well, was the title of our workshop. And in this time together, we talked about a lot of things. We spent time thinking about and pre-planning our own memorial service or funeral considering scriptures that we like or hymns that we would recommend. We spent some time writing what we imagine would go into our obituary. And we did many other things. One exercise that we did in small groups is we asked the question, what would you write if you were to write an epitaph about yourself in ten words or less? What would you say? How would you like to be remembered? Now, I think I jotted down all kinds of 
high and mighty things that I hoped for myself and to be remembered. But then a member of our group, as we were sharing, she said, you know, I don't have a long list of accolades to write. As a matter of fact, I think my obituary will be short. But what is most important to me and what I know about myself is that I am a child of God. She said, I hope my epitaph would read, a child of God, to be remembered as a child of God. Now this made me stop and think, wow, what a powerful statement. It sort of made me reevaluate what I had just listed for myself and to think about and know of the significance that I, first and foremost, am a child of God. You know, the world encourages us to make our obituary as full as possible. The more lines that we can fill, the better. Fill it up with many accomplishments. Similar to what we might do with our resume or Facebook or our LinkedIn profile, the world says, impress us. Don't sit still. Do more. But scripture tells us, or even more accurately, God tells us, you are my child. A human being, not a human doing You are loved just as you are, my precious creation, made in my image. The world says, impress us, don't sit still, do more. God says, I love you. Impressing the world, I have found, can be a challenging task. Do we ever arrive? There is always one more thing that we can do, one more thing to achieve, one more way to fall short. Impressing God has already happened because God loves us first, just as we said in our baptism liturgy this morning. And God loves us so much. I know that when I can start my day acknowledging this, Acknowledging that I am a beloved child of God. My day goes very differently. I walk on a path of acceptance and love. I don't do good just to look good. If I do good, it's because God loves me and I am compelled to share and show that love to others. When I die, I want to be remembered as a child of God. And while I live, I want to know I am a child of God. Jesus knew that love that God had for him. And we learn from his ministry, from his teaching. We see how he lived out of this love. He loved others because he was first loved. Similarly, when we rest in the knowledge of God's love for us, We can more freely love ourselves and love one another. Today on this roll call of Saint Sundays, we welcome families who have had a loved one, a member of our church, die this year. 
Can we take time to pray for each other in our grief? To give thanks for the church and the saints that go before us, the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. We give thanks for our members that have now been welcomed home to the church eternal. And we do our best to wrap our arms around those who grieve and let them know they do not walk this path alone. This summer, I had an experience of grief that I've never had before. My Aunt KK died. She died in May, 73 years old. She died very suddenly and unexpectedly. And my family and I are still recovering from this shock, from this great loss. Today, KK's son and KK's brother are here in worship with us, my cousin Scott and my father, Charlie. And it is so good to be together. I realize one of the ways that my family grieves is through laughing together. And we have laughed this weekend. My aunt had an incredible sense of humor. And it is either laugh or cry, and we have often chose to laugh. But a couple of weeks before my Aunt KK died, she stopped by her church to visit her pastor, as she often did. She is a member of uh, Palmasia Presbyterian in Tampa, and John Debevoy, her pastor, shared at her funeral that KK had this particular visit when she asked him what he was going to be preaching on that week. And he shared that it was Pentecost, Pentecost and that he would be preaching on the passage from Acts. He read her the text, and this particular line from Acts struck a chord with KK from Acts 2, verse 46. It reads, Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. My Aunt KK said to her pastor, You know, that is how I want to live. I want to live in community like that, and I want to have a glad and generous heart. And I'm here to tell you that she did. She knew God's love for her, and she had a glad and generous heart and shared this love with others. KK fought the good fight. She finished the race, and she kept the faith. She is a child of God. I had a new experience of grief this year with my Aunt KK's death. I've counted up that I have officiated, led over a hundred funerals in my ministry. This means I've met with over a hundred families, loved ones, as they grieved. With all of this experience, you would think that I'm an expert in grief. And I thought I knew grief. But when my precious Aunt KK died, I experienced grief like nothing else I had ever known. And I still experience it. It leads me, it has led me to ask the question, how do we grieve? How do we as Christians grieve? How do we face each day with a sense of loss, 
all of the different things that we experience. Today we have over 26 families that we have invited and if we took time and asked them to share how they have grieved, we might find many similarities, but we also would find very different ways because grief is very personal. This summer, I sent an email to some of our church members who have had a loved one die in the last five years. I shared with them the hard time that I was having grieving KK. And I ask them, how do you do it? How do you wake up? How do you get through the day? And I got some great replies. I wish I could share them all, but we're limited on our time today. But I want to share a few notes with you today. Some of the responses that came to me. Mary Kay. What I have learned is that everyone has different relationships and they also grieve differently. There is no good or bad way. However, I have learned that it helps to talk about it. You need to talk about your loved one and talk about your loss. Mary Kay, when we have introduced our spouse as my better half, after their death, the realization is that is oh so true. But half of you is gone too. Whether you have watched your mate die slowly or lost them in an instant, you're left in the same place, alone, waking to an undisturbed side of the bed, signing a card for the first time with only your name watching an elderly couple walk hand in hand, getting your husband's mail or having his things delivered from his office. These and a hundred other instances are heart-wrenching. All the pictures in your mind's eye of the future are not to be. You're not going to share grandchildren together. You're not going to take care of each other in old age. You're not going to share decisions and you're not going to be held in their arms. Mary Kay, I do know that I still have a huge hole in my heart three and a half years after losing my husband, and I know that it will never be filled. My new normal is not anything like my old life, but I am grateful for many blessings and for the fact that he is no longer suffering. I know he is at peace, and I will be with him again. Mary Kay, so many people offer to help when a loved one dies. I honestly believe that letting them in or even asking for their help is a gift that we, the grief-stricken, can and should give. As human beings, we don't want to feel helpless. We are, by nature, doers. So we are happiest and most fulfilled when others allow us to do for them. Our church is an amazing, loving community, and our family has been on the receiving end of this outpouring on many occasions. I am especially grateful to my Alpha group, who allowed me to share some of the rawest of feelings in such a safe, nurturing environment. Sometimes the person who is grieving doesn't even know he or she needs a helping hand. 
So my advice is to keep offering and keep doing. It is appreciated more than you know. I am grateful to these church members for sharing their stories and for acknowledging that we all grieve differently. There is no right way. But one thing that I do know is that our faith in Jesus Christ and our coming together as a community of believers makes a world of difference in a time of grief. Everyone who I have talked to in the church who has grieved the death of a loved one along with their sorrow can point to gratitude. And this is a gift. This is a time when it's clear to me that church matters. That church makes a difference. Because here, gathered together, we know the resurrection hope of Jesus Christ. And in church, we know that we are not alone. We do not grieve as if we have no hope. We still grieve, and along with our grief, we give thanks, deep thanks. Here in church, we get to practice being like Jesus, loving one another just as God loves us, recognizing we are a child of God, and so is everybody else. We love with casseroles and visits. We love with our prayer squares and blankets. We love with a listening ear and showing up. We love with a phone call or a card. We love with our prayer. Sometimes this is all we know how to do. And quite frankly, it's all we need to do. We don't have to have the answers because we don't have them. We just show up in whatever form this takes. Because we need each other. As flawed and imperfect as we are, we are made in God's image, children of God. And God created us to be in relationship to love one another. Life can be hard. Grief is painful. Loss hurts. And yet we are not alone. We are children of God, fighting the good fight, finishing the race, keeping the faith. Thanks be to God.